This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or for His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Hey, good morning and welcome to The Chair. My name is Amy Bauman, and I'm so glad that you're choosing to join us today. We are coming to the end of the month of June, uh, not only the month itself, but also our series, Joy Journeys. And so my prayer is that you have really just been blessed by the women that have been on our show each week, uh, from their stories, from the truths that they've had, and maybe you've been able to apply some of, of their life's journey to your own. And uh, I just pray that it's been a blessing. And I think today, um, God, the way God has orchestrated this is that we are all going to be blessed by Deborah's story. Deborah Wallace found out that her husband was betraying her in a same-sex relationship. And that was devastating to her and to her family. And she has been on an incredible journey to get where she is today. Deborah now encourages, validates, and comes alongside other women who have experienced betrayals of their own. Having walked in betrayal trauma shoes, she gives hope to the hurting wife, and as a battle buddy, she points people to Jesus, who is the ultimate healer by helping women seek truth in Scripture. Clothed in strength and dignity, Deborah believes that we can overcome shame and secrecy to pursue hope, healing, and the abundant life that only Jesus can offer. She works at Be Broken Ministries as a wives care assistant and facilitates peer groups with a trauma-informed approach. She's also written a brand new book called When the Glass Slipper Shatters, Healing from Sexual Betrayal, and we are praying that that's going to be released this year, 2021. Um, but I think that because of the sensitivity of the content today, that if you have any young viewers and listeners that usually sit in and watch the chair with you, maybe today they go put together a puzzle or do something else. But our prayer is that um, this will be a kind of conversation that maybe helps you or someone you know that has been um, associated with sexual betrayal and that uh, her conversation and and what she shares today will just maybe help you take the next step if this is a journey like what she's experienced so if you would please welcome with me deborah wallace well good morning deborah thank you so much for being with us today thank you amy it's a joy to be with you so if I were to give away a prize for the person coming to me from the farthest distance, I think you would win. <laughs> You're in New Mexico? Yes. Uh -huh. Oh, wow. Will you send us some of your weather? <laughs> yes, it's nice and cool. And I went fishing yesterday. I got a little duck pond nearby and Aww. I caught a 14 inch trout. So oh, I've been wow. having fun. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Well, we are one giant pond here in Michigan right now. It's been raining and raining oh. and raining and it's supposed to rain some more. So we need a little send, bit dry. Send a little bit of rain our way. So that's right. 
we don't have to worry about forest fires. <laughs> no, oh, well, and I think um, New Mexico is probably one of my favorite places. I have had the chance to be in Santa Fe and Albuquerque a few times and just love the terrain there, love everything about it. So I'm grateful that you are joining us today um, so far away. So thank you thank for you. being here. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your story um, and you have been on an amazing journey and um, I just want you to kind of maybe briefly share with everybody watching and listening um, just about your family you know what you're doing now does where you've been from tell us a little bit sure um, so I'm a single parent now I have two young adult children um, their ages are 17 and 23 um, I grew up in Iowa as the youngest of six, and oh, wow. I live in San Antonio, but I spend my summers here in New Mexico, okay. and um, I went, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, I'll, you're fine. I'll share some of my story. Um, I've been married twice, divorced twice. Okay. But, um, and I think after my first marriage, I kind of uh, had a crisis of faith, you know, asking God, where are you? Mm -hmm. And um, kind of went into a depression because I didn't get into counseling right away. Okay. But that was still a blessing because that's when I really changed from just being uh, trusting Jesus as savior to really trusting him as Lord. It was like, I just can't do this Lord alone. I need you. And so, you know, that was a blessing and believe it or not, I can look back at my second marriage also as being a blessing because I've just, the Lord has just drawn me so close to him. Um, I wouldn't have it any other way. So, Amen. so how great. old were you? How old were you in your first marriage where you really uh, got to know the Lord even deeper? I was probably 35. Okay. Um, it was like a year after my divorce and um, just out of desperation, <laughs> wanted to walk with the Lord and um, just make him my life. So, yes. Yeah. And so how long of a time was it between your first marriage and your second marriage? About, um, let's see, four years or so four years, it's four years. And yeah, I never wanted to get remarried. It was like, not on my radar, but I got to a point of healing after counseling. And it was, Lord, if it's in your will, you've got to, you've got to do it. It's I'm not pursuing anything. And um, anyway, I met my second husband at a Bible study. And I totally was convinced that God had ordained and orchestrated it. And so we had a short engagement, but um, we were married. And the next, uh, I'd say the first 10 years into my marriage, it was beautiful. I had um, a little baby boy shortly after we got married. And then a few miscarriages, which were, you know, disappointing and hard, but then um, God blessed me with a little girl five and a half years later. So we had uh, 
two children, which I'm very grateful for. I love being a mom. I still love being a mom, even when they're older. Every yes. every phase is is a joy. So um, yes. that's kind of where I'm at now. But um, I'll share a little bit about what happened uh, after the first 10 years of marriage. Um, I found out through a text message, totally by accident, that he was having um, a same-sex affair. And he denied it at first, but the evidence was there and it couldn't be explained away. So uh, those first few years, I mean, it was, I didn't wanna tell anyone. It was so shameful. Um, I just felt isolated and sad and secretive. And I felt like a fraud because I was living a lie too, because I was keeping his secret. Um, when I first find, found out, I thought, okay, this is just automatic divorce, right? Um, right? And I was in shock, but believe it or not, he said that he would do whatever it took to hold our marriage together and was willing to go into a healing, you know, getting counseling. And we tried everything. We tried uh, counseling and an intensive dynamic marriage support groups. Um, he went into counseling immediately, even like three times a week. Okay. But I just, my thinking was, well, it's, it's his issue. He needs counseling, but this is too embarrassing and I'm not gonna go. And it took me three years to really step foot in a counseling office. And when I finally did, uh, they were just not equipped to help me with this issue. Um, their thinking was, you know, a dog returns to his vomit. Why are you still with him? So I left feeling pretty hopeless. Um, but that's when I also got into a wife support group. I mean, in some ways it was really good because I had the support of other women, but the negative part was that it was a COSA group, which means co-addict, co-sex addict, which is a label that no one going through this needs to be given. Um, yeah. I think we've come a long way in, in the last decade to addressing it as a trauma instead of a co-addiction. Um, Certainly sometimes codependent uh, issues are displayed when this happens, but truthfully, it's a response to the trauma. It, you know, it. And you're talking about your husband at the time, not about you, or are you talking about you with a codependency? I'm talking about, I was labeled as codependent co-addict instead of viewing it as you just experienced a trauma. Okay. So that was the negative part about the, uh, the support, sort, excuse me, the support group that I attended. Sure. So, so talk to me just for a minute here, because I think so many people um, go through something in their life and you talked about three years. So three years you're trying to navigate you, you came from the, the first marriage, which was um, hard, right? But out of that, you had a greater, deeper relationship with Jesus. You prayed for this next person. Um, ten, 
beautiful years, two children, and now this, and then three years struggling. What was your relationship like with the Lord during those three years? It was similar, uh, a big crisis of faith. Like the first time it was like, if my own husband doesn't love me, how can you love me, God? And then for it to happen a second time, because the first marriage was also infidelity issues. Uh, so it was just lots of questioning. And um, I learned later, it is very normal to have a crisis of faith when you have something like oh, this happen. Yes. yes. Um, and for several years, it was just such an emotional roller coaster because although my husband said he was getting help, I found out multiple times over the course of the next 12 or so years that he was being deceitful. And that uh, even though he was maybe in a support group, he was still acting out at the same time. Okay. So it was just kind of up and down, up and down. I'd, I'd get hopeful and then I'd find out something and we'd be back at ground zero. You know, it wasn't just maintaining a marriage. It was um, <laughs> having to rebuild <laughs> every time and asking God, is this worth it? Is this what you want for me? You know, what am I doing here? Um, and then other behaviors come into play, uh, kind of narcissistic behaviors because sex addiction is a selfish thing. Yes. And so I was starting to think, am I crazy? Did I cause this? You know, what did I do wrong? Right. <laughs> and then also the, all the questions about, you know, did I, could I catch AIDS? You know, what, <laughs> just all of this is going on. Plus you have to, you're still raising your family. You have to be there for your two, you know, your kids, however many. <laughs> and so it was just kind of a very confusing time for me. But um, in 2013, which was, uh, I'm trying to think how many <laughs> years, it, we got married in 96. So in 2013, I was in a women's Bible study at my church. And in addition to the study, uh, they challenged us to memorize scripture. And they uh, proposed memorizing two scriptures each month. So at the end of the whole year, you'd have 24 scriptures. And I, I kind of, you know, thought, oh, I'm not good at that. And scripture might be true for other women, but not for me, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but I, I gave it a try anyway. And so the first verse I memorized was uh, Proverbs 31, 25. I am clothed in strength and dignity. I can laugh about the future. And at the time, you know, strength, I was not strong at all. I just felt so weak. Um, dignity. I felt like a doormat, you know, I knew I was being a doormat. And even when I set boundaries, they weren't working. Right. So that was confusing. And then laughing about the future, it was just, I, there were times where I could not eat. I could not sleep. Um, just crying, you know, just sad because this is not the future that, you know, I wanted for my family. Right. But, um, Continuing with that scripture memorization was really the pivotal part of my healing. I would memorize the verse, repeat it out loud over myself, and surely um, 
the Lord was just working in my heart and changing my heart. And the Holy Spirit was whispering to me um, that these verses were true for me, not just the Bible study ladies. <laughs> and so I think there's something that changes in your brain when you hear words, especially God's words out loud. Yes. And you claim that scripture for yourself, you begin healing and believing it. And so I just kept doing that. At the end of the year, I had 24 scriptures and I became stronger and more confident, not just myself, but because God was strengthening me to be confident and be more assertive and stand up for myself. So um, long story short, I guess uh, in 2018, uh, the red flags were getting worse. Um, symptoms, behaviors were getting worse instead of better. So it was kind of like, Lord, I think I know what you're, <laughs> you're pointing me to, but I want to make really sure that I'm in your will. So that summer, <clears throat> well, in January, uh, we separated and I said, until you get help, like checking into a facility, you can no longer live with us. So he agreed to go and I was still hopeful even at that point, but each month that went by, he had another excuse why he could not go. So that summer, I spent a lot of quiet time in New Mexico here at the cabin again, um, just asking God to show me, confirm to me what I was supposed to do. Right. <laughs> and he clearly gave me multiple ways, multiple people that spoke to me, confirming that it was okay for me to move on. So in August, when I came back uh, to San Antonio, he had not um, gone to get help and we were still separated. And then I just filed for divorce because um, God had made it clear to me that um, it was time for me to move on. So, so it did 22 years. Yes. And if, if this is a, this is a tricky question. <laughs> um, but if you could go back, would you leave earlier? I've thought about that. Um, you know, all the time, I think God was preparing me because first of all, I really wanted to keep my family intact mm -hmm. and my kids were little and I kept having the mindset, but they need a dad, you know, they need a dad or they're not going to turn out. You know what I mean? Right. We, need, we need, they needed two parents. Um, but as it got worse, it was like, you know, if I don't, I didn't want them to see what was going on and, um, at this point, when I when we separated, my son was already uh, um, away from home, but I still had my daughter at home. But um, I don't know. I was just I was desperate to to keep our family together, and I just kept thinking, you know, God, you can still do a miracle. You can still change his heart. I had proof from one counselor that uh, he was twelve years sober from a same sex. Uh, lifestyle. So I knew it, it could happen. Yes. And that was my hope. And I just kept asking the Holy Spirit to soften his heart and see that that was not the right way to live. But um, and I, I love that because I think sometimes 
we're tempted to give up so easily. Um, and, and there, and there is a way for God to work and move in the situation. Um, but also the person that, that needs to have the work done on also has to, to want it. And mm -hmm. so, um, by allowing the Lord to, to work and move, right. You don't know the extent of the seeds that were planted. No one will know that until we're in eternity in heaven with the Lord, what actually was able to happen through your whole 22 years. And God is so amazing that way. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I kept having the mindset that if I'm going to give anyone else hope, I had to have a successful marriage. It had to be a, a happy ending or I couldn't, you know, help anyone, right. but success is not determined by whether or not you remain in a marriage. Su success de is determined by your walk with the Lord. That's, that's my belief. Um, yes. And how would you say, I know that so much of it was meant to protect your children. Um, how are they today? And do they know the full story? They both know the full story. Um, I can't say their relationship with their dad is very good because, you know, they are not supportive of him. My daughter hasn't seen him for over two years. Um, it is not just affected my kids, but all of his siblings, his whole entire family. Sure. Um, I'm very grateful that they support me in what I'm doing and they support my family. Um, so how has your, how has your life changed? What are you doing now because of the 22 years that you went through? What, what are you doing today mm -hmm. to help? Well, I've had some amazing opportunities that God has provided, uh, for me to bless women. Um, I belong to Hope Writers, which is an online writing community. And in 2020, they offered a mastermind class and that helped me with my writing. And so um, that allowed me to serve my audience on my website, social media, and also through writing a book. And so um, I just sent that off Wednesday to the publisher. So I'm, I'm very grateful. That's all God, you know, um, his call uh, for me to help women and encourage them. So and then I also work for Be Broken Ministries. Uh, their mission is to help men, women, and families move from sexual brokenness to wholeness in Christ and equip others to do the same. Um, is that specifically for same sex or is it all addictions, all issues with sex? It's all addictions. It started out for men and my husband was in one of their uh, men's support groups, but then, uh, one of the women of those or one of the wives of those men said, what about the, what about the wives? We need help. And so um, my friend Gigi, who I met in my very first support group, we became battle buddies. Okay. She started the wives care. She's wives care director for be broken. Okay. And then just recently um, she's kind of overwhelmed because the need is so great she asked me to come alongside and kind of be her assistant. So I help with, um, we have 
uh, six week long wives care groups. And then we have a monthly touch point meeting where those women can come just kind of to be refilled and touch base. And um, we usually have a little teaching or something to help them along. And then if they go through that class, there's a private Facebook group where they can support each other with prayer and encouragement. And then I also do a little bit of writing for their newsletters on their website. Um, okay. Is this for a specific state or is this all over the United States? It's international. That's awesome. uh, they have a podcast, um, Pure, Pure Sex Radio is the name of their podcast. Okay. And it goes all over the world. And that's how a lot of the women, we do Zoom online groups and there are people from Brazil, Australia, just everywhere that can go come, you know, by Zoom. Yeah. So, and so then- tell us, tell us yeah. just a little bit about um, your book. And okay. So you think that might be out this year? I'm, I'm thinking so. Um, I heard back from the publisher already and they just said, uh, then we'll get back to you in three weeks about your next steps, but it's in the publishing process. So I think that sounds good. That sounds really good. So, um, what is, can you tell us the, the name of it? Yes. It's called when the glass slipper shatters healing from sexual betrayal. And it ministers to women, no matter what type of betrayal they've experienced. And I think it's also a good resource for friends or family that know someone who's going through um, a a betrayal, that um, it helps them probably see what they're going through and can minister to them better as well. And then also, Um, pastoral care centers uh, in churches. I think it would be a good tool for them um, so that they can, you know, counsel and minister better to uh, the women that, that are experiencing betrayal trauma. There's so many things that the enemy uses for something like this. I, I think uh, shame, I think uh, keeping it quiet, like what you expressed um, and, and until we can shine God's light onto the situation and, and into the pain and into the trauma, then that's when he can truly work. So, so much, I think, and this is why I love that you wrote this book um, and that it's possible to be able to share on so many different platforms is because it needs to be brought out into the light. It needs to be talked about. It ne- people need to do better at walking alongside of other people because it is one of those things where you don't always know, you don't have the answer, you don't know what to say. And, and so that, that does bring me um, to a really important question. If there is someone listening right now who is thinking that you have been just telling them their own story and they're, they're listening today and they're going through the exact same thing that you did for 22 years, what would you want to say to her today? I know that there's a lot of confusion um, when you first find out and a lot of, like you said, shame and blame, we take it on ourselves. And so um, what I would like to tell them most is that they are not the cause of their husband's issues. Um, most likely their spouse's sexual brokenness was set in motion long before they even met. Probably. I can't say that for sure, but um, you know, everyone brings 
I don't like to call it baggage, but a suitcase full of issues into the marriage. Yes. You're you're responsible for yours, but he is 100% responsible for his. And his choices brought the two of you to where you are now. Um, the choice to be unfaithful is 100% on him. And I think this bears repeating because so many of us fall back into believing Satan's lies and then we blame ourselves. And I'm not saying any of us are perfect wives. We carry our own brokenness and that impacts the relationship too. We may have insecurities, you know, thinking that, you know, if we are prettier, smarter, whatever, more interesting, <laughs> they may have, you know, they don't have anything to do with why your husband is acting out. Uh, you're not the cause. Yeah. Um, and so I think would... you, sh you shared briefly with me, um, and, I, and maybe you talk about this in your book, the, the four C's. I would love <laughs> for you to share that with the, the watchers and listeners, because I think that's crucial life-giving words. Thank you. Yes. So the first one was you are not the cause. And I, I kind of explained that. Yes. Um, the second C is you cannot control what your husband chooses to do. Um, it's appropriate to ask for what we need to heal, but it will prohibit your progress if you become your husband's long-term recovery manager. Um, you know, asking for what we need sometimes feels controlling, but the requests we take um, to meet our needs is not control or manipulation. It's, it's setting healthy limits. Right. Um, but if you're ranting and raving, getting angry, that's not going to stop him from doing something he wants to do. Um, you can't really threaten him or give him an ultimatum. Um, you do have to set your boundaries and be able to carry through. If you set a boundary, you have to really, you know, think about it, not just say, I'm divorcing you if you do this, because are you really going to carry through, you know, but um, patrolling his whereabouts or checking computer history is not going to help. And you can ask me how I know that, <laughs> uh, yeah. but um, it trying to control is a, a natural trauma response of not wanting to get hurt again. We want to stay. We want to feel safe and secure. So that's why we, you know, check up. And um, so it's, it's much better to just uh, focus on your own healing instead. Okay. Uh, the third C is you can't cure him. It's similar to controlling, but we have to realize that we cannot save him. Um, quoting scripture is not going to fix him. Uh, nobody can do it for him. Not you, his siblings, his mother, no one. <laughs> it's going to take God's intervention to provide the cure that he needs. And it's going to have to be a softening of his heart and he has to seek it for himself. So um, when we admit that we're powerless to change others, believe that Jesus is the only one that has the power to heal and restore, then we can step back and just let God work. And we need to be at peace with that. Um, yes. Just stop, stop trying to, to um, another thing that's not helpful is trying to identify the cause of his abuse or his acting out. It's just not, we don't know what the cause is. Um, and understanding the source of the cause is not significant to a wife's healing. Um, it doesn't empower her to heal. Um, yeah. So we, we can still thrive and heal when we accept and don't try to cure our husband. <laughs> sure. um, the final thing, the final C I would say is you can choose 
to embrace your own healing. Mm-hmm. Um, it may take time to realize that your husband isn't the only one who needs help. Uh, like for a long time, I did say, you know, it's his issue. He needs to get help. Um, shame holds us back from seeking it, but um, we may feel embarrassed and alone and, and judged by others. Uh, we, it may be hard to go to our church community. Um, sometimes well-meaning family and clergy or whoever, uh, they may be well-meaning, but if they tell you that you need to submit more, have sex more, whatever, that is not going to help. Um, but do, I would say fight whatever's holding you back from reaching out. Find There are good counselors out there. Um, if someone is APSATS trained, that stands for, it's an acronym for the Association of Partners of Sex Addicts Trauma Specialists. Wow. And I just took a, a course on that. So I am trained in that way. And basically it's viewing and helping others with a trauma-informed approach. So no one who's been APSATS trained is gonna say that you're the cause or that you're a co-addict. They are gonna treat it as a trauma, which is the way it needs to be treated. Um, Part of choosing your own healing is focus on you. You know, um, hope is out there, help is out there. Anybody who takes the first step in getting in a support group or getting to counseling or reading my book, (laughs) you're on your way to healing. Um, Would you say that that would be, if there's somebody right now that's watching or listening and and they have just been struggling and not sure what that first step would even look like, is that what you are recommending is the very first step would be reaching out to a support group like you're describing, or is there another step that needs to happen first? I think both counseling with someone who is trained in trauma is very important, but alongside with that, a support group can be so, so beneficial because you have peers that have gone through the same thing. They're still probably going through the same thing and they can support you. And when you realize that you're not alone, that is so important. I don't want anyone to ever have to walk this road alone. And for those first three years before I got help, I was all alone. And in fact, my, everyone on my side of the family, they didn't find out there were any issues until 2019 when I showed up for my dad's funeral without my husband. That's yeah. when everything came out. <laughs> so it was just too shameful. And, and my parents were elderly and I didn't want them to have to bear that burden, but still, I wish I had gotten help earlier. And, you know, my family was so supportive once it came out. Why didn't I seek help earlier? I think I still had so much hope that everything would turn out fine and we wouldn't have to disclose any of the ugly, but that's, that was not beneficial. Um, and I I'd think say, that's a normal response, but yeah. you're right. It's, it's, uh, it doesn't help you. You're, um, you're operating in a different manner of um, just trying to get by wearing, which what I like to say that I'm fine shirt. Everything is fine here. <laughs> <laughs> We're all <Yes>. good. <laughs> oh yeah. I feel like I could have gotten an Oscar for my performance for those years, you know, because Yes. I kept a pretty good secret. Um, 
I was in a Bible study where I was in leadership and I just, I couldn't continue because I was so weepy and everybody thought, oh man, she needs an antidepressant. You know, what's the, what's this girl's deal? What's going on? I, yeah. But I just couldn't, you know, yeah. I couldn't share at that time, but um, eventually, you know, I did. <laughs> um, right. Well, anyway. we're going to make sure at the very end that I'm going to um, have all of your information and, and places where people can reach out if they are wanting to take that first step. Um, and also just how to get in touch with you so they can keep uh, in step with the progress of this new book that's coming out prayerfully <laughs> this year. Thank um, you. And I just, I just want to take a, a minute and say thank you for being so vulnerable on such a sensitive subject where you could have just chosen to um, just move on and, uh, and just be grateful that that part of your life was over and yet you were obedient to God and you stepped into the fullness of what he asked you to do. And I believe and trust and know that this book is going to help a lot of people. And, uh, and hopefully this will be one of the ways that will springboard it out there for people to know <laughs> and uh, to be able to get to know you better and your story. Because in the short period of time that I have known you, and I do believe Facebook can be used for good, um, you have been a blessing to me. And so just thank you so much for being with us today and for being so open about this really hard situation in your life and how God has turned it around for, for his glory. Thank you, Amy. You have been a blessing with your support and encouragement for me. And I love your ministry as well. So thank you for this opportunity. I hope it blesses others. And I just appreciate you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Well, thanks for being here. I'll make sure I post all of your information so people can get in contact with you. Okay. Thanks, thanks a lot. again, Deborah. Okay. I just want to thank Deborah for her vulnerability and her obedience. And we've talked about this uh, several different times on the, on the chair that when God calls you, he will equip you. And oftentimes we hope <laughs> that God will call us to do these things where we can maybe hide behind a plate glass window or um, in an office, or maybe behind the scenes. But when he calls us to share our stories, which are filled with um, brokenness and betrayal and sadness, um, that's, that's, a hard, that's a hard thing to step out and do, but not when you've held his hand the entire time and he's walked you through it and all you do and see and want to say is to rejoice in the fact that you've made it and that God never let go of you and you can see all of the growth and the beauty of the situation after the fact and I think that's one of the reasons why she's telling her story I know for me that's one of the reasons why I tell my story is because even though it was hard and it hurt and it was challenging, I came out the other side and I want other people to know um, maybe how to navigate a little better than I did. Maybe they will be able to not take a few of those steps. 
maybe learn from my mistakes, maybe learn how that they can get connected quicker to take off that I'm fine shirt faster uh, to be able to save them a little bit of sorrow that I went through myself. And I can see that so clearly in Deborah's life and in talking with her that if she can save someone some of the pain that she has gone through, it'll, it'll all be worth it, right? It'll all be for God's glory. So I am going to put up Deborah's information right now. And if you want to reach out and find out more about Deborah's ministry, about her new book, about some resources that you can take, if you have been on a journey like Deborah's, you're going to want to go to her website. She has lots of good information there, a resource page, uh, information about her new coming book, uh, ways to connect with her. And um, I think that it will truly be a blessing for you if you or someone you know has experienced this type of betrayal. And um, I just want to thank her again. Deborah, thank you for your obedient heart and your vulnerability to share with all of us. So thank you so much. I would love to pray over you and then um, close us out for today. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you can make all things brand new. And you don't just use this new material, Lord. You take the broken pieces of our lives, the broken parts of our heart, and you reshape them and remold them into this, this beautiful pottery, Lord. And, and only you can do that. And I just thank you for what you've done in Deborah's life that you have restored and renewed and, and, and equipped her and her children. And I just pray over her ministry and over her life and her family that you will continue to bless them, continue to walk with them, Lord, as you have done so faithfully. And I pray for each person watching, each person listening, Lord, that if there is someone out there that has gone through something like Deborah has, that you will speak to their heart that you will take their hand and that you will help them take the next step into healing from, from this brokenness, Lord, as only you can. And that they will find the right support group and the right resources, Lord, to help them on their own journey. And I just, I just pray that. I pray for each person, Lord, that you will bless them and that they will experience your hope and life and healing and peace uh, from this day forward. Thank you for this time. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, summer has officially started and we are going to be looking at uh, summer all next month. I'm, I'm hoping that I'll have several different episodes to share with you that are fun and exciting and fun ways for you to be out experiencing summer, uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, having fun, and uh, no matter what chair you're sitting in, that you'll be able to, to glean some information, some truth that you can apply to your own life. Thank you so much for being with us, for being with us this month. And make sure if you missed an episode or if you want to get some information from one of the women that I interviewed over the course of June, you can head to my website amybauman.com. I also have a lot of resources that you can uh, take advantage of, but you can also go to the media page and click on 
uh, the chair, and you can watch any of those episodes that you've missed. You can also see them on YouTube. And then I also have a podcast called Speaking Truth with Love. You can, if you are on the go and can't watch, you can also listen to all of those episodes. But thank you so much for being here. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.